High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, science teachers, environmentalists, lovers, and haters of trees, and all you out there who are a fan of a good old-fashioned thriller. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the slumber party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment. And I would like to see the results. We have a really, really fun episode today. We're talking the happening M. Night Shyamalan. Of course, our guest is Jenny O'Connell. We have a lot of, lot of fun talking about this crazy, crazy, silly, fun movie. But it does feel a little perverse and weird to be having so much fun when, like, you turn on the news and you see the war in the Ukraine. It's tough. It's tough. But I know you don't tune into High School Slumber Party to hear about it. It's a distraction, I would think, so we won't be talking about it here. It is something I studied in college, but this is high school slumber party. I guess I don't have that education level yet, so we're just going to talk the movie. I do want to warn you, though, about the film. On its surface, it is about suicide. I consider myself a suicide survivor. I'm not trying to make light of what's happening in the film, That wasn't me, but you have to kind of make light because it is so absurd. I wasn't the one who wrote this in the movie. I hope you did your homework and watched it and understand the context of it, but just wanted to give a trigger warning. If it's not for you, don't listen today. Totally, totally, totally fine. But if it is for you, like I said, I hope you did your homework and watched The Happening. I hope you did your homework and have been listening to other High School Slumber Party episodes, including our High School Slumber Party AP episode on Monday, Mickey and the Bear, with, of course, AP co-host Island Addington. And remember, you can check out High School Slumber Party. Whoa, 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 the bell does not dismiss you. I dismiss you. That was a really early bell, and we have a lot to talk about. So get in your damn seats. Where was I? I think I was mentioning Iceland. Iceland Addington, my co-host on High School Slumber Party, AP. Love reviewing modern films with her. And remember, you can check out all older episodes of High School Slumber Party, all your previous homework, wherever you're listening right now, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating or a positive review. And remember, you can also check out High School Slumber Party and so many other great pop culture podcasts on cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, the flagship, if you will. Also, class participation is a huge part of your grade. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have my own Twitter now, as in Brian Rodriguez, separate Twitter. I realize the show is growing a bit. 
and I also might have some side projects in the works, so I cannot be synonymous with just the High School Slumber Party Twitter because I have my thoughts and opinions about unrelated things to high school. So follow me on Twitter at the very, very, very serious Twitter handle of oh my Rodriguez. I'm a late adopter to Twitter. There wasn't a lot of handles yet. Someone suggested it to me, so whatever. Oh my Rodriguez at oh my Rodriguez. Follow me there for more of my personal thoughts. I don't tweet a lot, but maybe I will start doing it. Motivate me. Follow me there. Ooh, but I need you to do me one more thing. Follow me here. Follow me into the happening. Mark Wahlberg. Again, we have so much fun talking about this movie. So pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sitting at Brian's because we're about to get our party on. Let's leave you with the eerie, eerie theme to the happening. Class dismissed. So, uh, Jenny, I think we're going to have a very fun and interesting episode today. Uh, We are talking 2008's The Happening. Uh, But before that, introduce yourself once again to the High School Slumber Party audience, and then we'll get underway. All right. Uh, Hey, I'm Jenny O'Connell. I'm non-binary so if you see me on the street and are like are you a woman or a man that's between me and god so you know uh <laughs> but like yeah I'm that's also between in- you and god oh, sorry <laughs> right? i just I, I i thought of it like in the Wahlbergness. yeah oh my god i i wish i could do a better um mark Wahlberg. i can do the boston accent of like you know his like mackie mac and like it gives me um, a little bit of Tommy Wiseau, but make it Boston. Like, oh, hi, Mac. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. But yes, I, I definitely, you clocked me. I need to work on like my my Mark Wahlberg bro delivery. This movie is a great case study for that. If anyone wants to channel like Tommy Wiseau, but make it Boston, but make everything a question. And also <laughs> you don't understand how words work. I mean, we'll get into it. I can't wait to talk Mark Wahlberg. I'm really, really enjoying the later career. Not that he's that old, but, you know, the later career of Mark Wahlberg for different reasons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just dive right in since you've been on the show plenty. What is your history with Mark Wahlberg? Well, I, too, am from Massachusetts. And honestly, I'm a little disappointed in Wahlburgers because I think Wahlburgers needs to have a redo. For those who don't know, that's the restaurant that, like, Mark Wahlberg and his family made. And they sell, like, overpriced hamburgers. I would pay for those overpriced hamburgers if all of the quotes in the restaurant we're just from the happening because when you walk into that <laughs> restaurant, it's just like, there's pictures of Mark Wahlberg, like everywhere, like fuck Donnie Wahlberg, I guess. Or like, I think he's the <laughs> only other Wahlberg I know of. Like, but it's just, 
all Mark Wahlberg and you realize that like most of his movies aren't quotable. Like there are some performers that are like very quotable or in quotable movies. And I'm like, okay, like it would make sense for like, like uh, a John Goodman is in very quotable things. So like you could like draw from different movies and be like a lot of Big Lebowski, like maybe some Monsters Inc. Like, ooh, you know, like variety, versatility, but like not Mark Wahlberg. So admittedly, I'm not a big Mark Wahlberg fan. Ooh, because <laughs> um, he's a racist and also he's not a good actor. So like I did enjoy Boogie Nights, but not because of him I think he just lucked out with a really good director and that cast being like stacked to the brim with like every good actor they carried him is my point so yeah I can't say you know I'm a big like ooh, love Maki Mark find him so attractive so talent oh wow (laughs) did you finish introducing yourself by the way I think I cut you off I mean, I can redo the intro if, like, you're going to just... No, like, no, no. <laughs> just just say your high school and stuff. Oh, right. Duh. Yeah, I forgot about the whole fact that this is high school. And, <laughs> you know, that I definitely... Unfortunately, I did not go to Euphoria High. My high school was, like, the exact opposite of Euphoria High. It was really just, like, very... White bread, bland, Hingham, Massachusetts, Hingham High. <laughs> Hingham High, right? And I bring yeah. it up because there's a Wahlburgers, in, or there was a Wahlburgers, you always told me, in Hingham. Is it still there? You know, I actually don't know because <laughs> I am both like, you know, apathetic to Mark Wahlberg and, you know, starving artist budget. So like, am I going to go back to my hometown for like a $20 burger? No, I'm not. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, So again, sorry for cutting you off of the intro, but I was just so excited to talk about Mark Mark Wahlberg. I mean, understandably. Well, I don't have the opposite take in terms of him as a human being. I know he's done some Mm -hmm. pretty bad things. I've heard he's been pretty mean to people on set. But that being said, I don't think I've ever loved Mark Wahlberg more. It might not be for the right reasons. Oh, agreed. (laughs) The reasons that he might think of. But I found myself in the last couple of years, and especially during the pandemic, really, really enjoying some Wahlberg films. And I mean, I'll contradict you a little bit on Boogie Nights. I love him in Boogie Nights. And not that he's the best actor in it. Of course not. But just like his naivete, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if a lot of other people could have pulled that character off. Because he's such, like, Dirk Diggler is such a dumbass at times. True. You know, especially, like, later in the movie where he's just really like, you know, we're going we're gonna to be famous. We're going to be in regular movies. Or let's make an album. You know, like, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, like, you know, that's awesome. And it translates. See, I'm not honestly big on Mark Wahlberg comedies like Ted mm. or. Oh, yeah. Or the other stuff he does where or, or like there's one where he's like a cop and Will Ferrell's a cop and they're like Oh, I think that's the other cops. guys. Yeah. Or like he works in The Departed just for like being a foil to Leonardo DiCaprio's like attempts at Boston accents because <laughs> Leo just loves that accent. And so it's nice to see like you have like the authentic one which is Marky Mark and then you have like Leo trying to be like you a cop and you're like, "Oh, sweetie, yeah. dial it back a little bit." <laughs> like but I, I'd agree with that. He does bring a dumbass energy to um, 
boogie nights i just don't want to compliment him really except i will say (laughs) even though this is a compliment not for the reasons that he would want but like his performance in this movie was very entertaining so we had him early on we covered a movie with uh kate hudson on this podcast not not kate hudson the actor for those of you listening for the first time kate hudson our guest and uh charlie talbert angus from the films uh called fear have you seen fear with marky mark i have yeah I mean, I also listen to the podcast, you know. It's better than not <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Teacher's pet and like, you know, be like, oh, doing my homework. <laughs> but like, um, I did like the film. I do not find him attractive. Like, I get people who are attracted to Mark Wahlberg, but that's just not, it's not for me. So, you know, I, I don't know how like spoilers, like, we can get I, I I liked most of it, but then the dog died and I was like, no. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> for sure, for sure. He just plays variations on that character a lot. Like, okay, back to the departed, like right? I love his character in the departed. Because we might have talked about this on air, off air, I'm not sure, but I feel like I've had this conversation a million times. I feel like in the departed, he doesn't have a script. I feel like he's just being himself, like he's immersed oh, in the role. And he just like, yeah, like, again, I don't have a good Mark Wahlberg either, but like, it's playing in my head, okay? Mm. Where th- there's one time he's like, yeah, but you had two different accents to like Leo, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hanging out back in Dorchester, right? You know, like, the way he says stuff is just amazing to me. So when, when he's in a drama, I get mm. into it. Yeah. During the pandemic, I just wanted to mention it just in case anyone's curious. Like, the movies that I was really getting into, and this is, this will make me sound so fucked up as a human being but i don't care one of them is that movie about the uh boston marathon bombing patriots day oh i haven't seen that you might be like what brian you found comedy in this film yes i know it's wrong okay (laughs) but i don't know it's a peter berg film and yes i wasn't like ha 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 people are being bombed but like i started getting into it for this mark Wahlberg character like we gotta get these bombers they don't attack my city like that. You know, like he just like the way, like, I don't know. It's like we, me and him don't feel like the same species. And yeah. I'm so fascinated with that. Another one was a uh, deep water horizon about like, the, uh, again, not laughing at a big oil spill. That's not why I'm, and I, I don't necessarily know if it's all laughing. I'm just intrigued. I, I like, he just pulls me in, in a different way where I'm just like, what is this human being doing? I don't know what it is, but like, I need to continue watching his reactions to everything. Well, yeah, he's, he's a terrible human being, but (laughs) he's very like amusing. And also amusing is a great word. Your impressions of him really just make me want to rewatch the Andy Samberg SNL impressions. That's why it's those impressions to me are so funny. Andy, what was it like? Mark Wahlberg talks to animals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's just like, Oh, hi goat. Like, you know, what are you, what are you being a goat for? You know, like, like say that. hi to your mother for me. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and now Mark Wahlberg talks to animals. Hey, I'm Mark Wahlberg. You guys know me. Let's go talk to some animals. Hey, dog, how's it going? I like your fur. That looks really great. So you're a dog, right? What's that all about? Okay. Well, it was great to meet you. 
Say hi to your mother for me, okay? <laughs> um, but like Lone Survivor is another <laughs> so, so bad. Oh no, is that like where he like tries to stop 9-11 or something? I haven't seen it, so like <laughs> he, he's like a Navy SEAL, you know, like there's, there's mm. movies like that. Like, yeah, I don't want him to make comedies. I don't like when he's in comedies. I want him to make disaster films or just right. films where he's like running around questioning things, like trying to figure something out. Like with comedic timing, he doesn't have like that skilled sense of comedic timing that like some people who are just really funny where you're like, oh, my God, brilliant. Like he's like accidentally comedic timing like if he tried to like be funny he wouldn't but you hand him a script where you're like okay so you're gonna stop 9-11 and then he'd like go off <laughs> and like you'd be like this is hilarious like, wait, Please it, do it doesn't add up why would they all be there at this time you know what i mean like stuff like that it's just amazing right. so uh, what is your history with the happening okay so i remember seeing like part of it like i've never seen the whole thing through. same with me by the way same with me i think i saw like a little bit of it and then anything else has just been kind of like reduced to like memes and youtube clips but for people who are like oh i don't want to sit through a Shyamalan movie like the clips in context like make the clips even funnier because out out of context they're hilarious but like in context in that film I'm just like this is so funny but yeah I'm not a big Shyamalan fan I know being like very like negative that's not I don't think that's a hot take today it's not no (laughs) it's just funny that like he used to be like portrayed as such a big like the next Hitchcock like master of suspense where like meanwhile Jordan Peele is just like bringing you modern Hitchcock master of suspense like make it better where you're like cool this was this what Shyamalan was supposed to be and and ironically Jordan Peele has a comedy background so who the hell knows yeah but (laughs) I watched this movie and I might be turning around on M. Night Shyamalan so but hear me out so this movie came out 2008, so I was in college. I completely missed it. I've since then seen the memes and, and and the clips online out of context, and they were hilarious to me. You're so right. Upon watching it just front to back, and it's pretty short, it is so much better in the context of what's happening. No pun intended. I did not mean that. But <laughs> it is amazing. I saw The Sixth Sense on rental, but by the time I saw it, I knew the the spoiler. Yeah. I saw Signs in the theater. I saw The Village in the theater. Some of his earlier stuff I rented, and I was into it. And then just, I guess, Lady in the Water maybe fell off. I saw that in the theater. I didn't even have the the like good grace to see the other like signs and six cents. I think those were rented. So I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> the village also rented. Not a big fan of either, but yeah, sorry. Like, continue. Well, when I was a kid, like, I loved signs. Oh, same. I thought those aliens were so creepy. Yeah. And as an adult, I'm like, oh, they're defeated by water and they go to a planet that's. Like water? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> and I'm trying way too hard to connect everything. I'm just like, dude. <laughs> and, and the village is fun. Like, if you're watching that in the theater, 
with like your high school girlfriend like I was and it's dark. It's kind of cool and it's fun, right? But like you could mm-hmm. never see that movie again once you know what it's about. And that was, I think, a big problem with a lot of M. Night Shyamalan things. Once you knew what the twist was, the kind of good writing, and I'm using that in quotation marks, falls apart. Yeah. Well, like The Sixth Sense, I know Bruce Willis is a bit of an asshole, but I'm like, dude, did he not realize he only gets responses from like a wee child? (laughs) That weirds you out a little bit. It didn't make any sense to me, like rewatching that, that I'm like, what? I mean, also props to Toni Collette, who just like slays everything she does. 100%. 100%. We love and support Tony Collette in this house. Sidebar, though, there was a big rumor for years that M. Night Shyamalan ghost wrote She's All That. That, <laughs> that was a big rumor for years. And I was like, are you serious? Like when he was like coming up, it was something, you know, he did for money. That has pretty much been dismissed. Some people even oh. assume that he started that rumor. Who the hell knows? I mean, yeah. I'd start that rumor about me if I could get away with it, but I can't. I mean, as far as the latest evidence has shown, he did not ghostwrite. She's all that. Moving right along, though. (laughs) This movie to me was a treat. It was a delight because I had zero expectations and made me view every M. Night Shyamalan property differently. Like, if you go in and you do not take this shit seriously and you just have fun with it, I mean, I'll compare it a little bit to Twilight. Mm. Like, some of them could be enjoyable experiences. While doing my research for the movie, I found out I was not the only one who thought this. This movie, in fact, is getting a lot more... Praise is too heavy of a word, Mm. but it's getting a lot more uh, props maybe is better. As, like a claim? No, a no, claim, a claim is, is not serious. It either. But basically, it's getting some B movie love. It's accidentally enjoyable. Like Shyamalan's known for his twists, right? But I love that this movie. The twist is there is no twist, which in of itself is a twist. But <laughs> you're like, dang, <laughs> Shyamalan again. You know. <laughs> Maybe it's the trees. I don't know what's happening. You know, oh my God, I love it. And and by the way, we're talking about it today because Mark Wahlberg is famously a high school teacher in this, a high school science teacher. It's like, all right, I'm thinking, give me a second. I mean, yeah, that I definitely cannot wait to go into. It's just like, there is like one person that I could not see being a high school teacher. It's... Like it is, it's just so odd casting wise, but then also because it's so odd, it's so great. I know, like it just comes full circle that I'm like, yes, I enjoy this. I'm a teacher, right? I do science, like it's just like it's amazing. I read the New York Times. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so every week I read the back of the DVD, back of VHS. This is a DVD I found online. If you're not familiar with the happening, this might clue you in a little bit. Maybe not, though. Who the hell knows? But here it goes. In this heart-pounding apocalyptic thriller from M. Night Shyamalan, the writer, director of The Sixth Sense and Signs, an unstoppable event threatens the world's population by attacking the most basic human instinct of all, survival. Um, Academy Award nominee Mark Wahlberg stars as Elliot Moore, an ordinary man trying to save his family from a terrifying Invisible killer. I guess his wife is his family. 
I guess. As Elliot discovers the incredible possibility of what is happening, it is clear that no one and nowhere is safe. Side note, I really want to rewatch the Timber and Planet of the Apes at Mark Wahlberg. That's another one that like I haven't seen in a while. But like he kisses like the ape Helena Bonham Carter and like Paul Giamatti's in it. I'm sure it's a delight now. Like I'm sure it's just like a a fun shit show. But anyway, woo, the happening. I didn't even know what was happening. Usually in, like you said, Jenny, these M. Night Shyamalan films, someone spoils it for you. Someone spoils the twist. But I guess the lack of a twist made this movie unspoiled for me. Does that, mm, does that make yeah. sense? Right? Like there wasn't people talking that about makes sense. it might have been the plants, but who the hell knows? You know, like no one was saying that on the streets. <laughs> yeah. No, there was no mystery. It was the fucking plants in the wind. Like maybe, you though, know, we... in conjunction with the plants. Because like there was a lot of wind. There was a lot of menacing wind shots. The the fake Fox News at the end said it still might have been the government. We don't know. Mm. <laughs> So production notes on this film, uh, after Lady in the Water was a complete bomb, M. Night Shyamalan became a joke really fast. I don't know if you remember it, but like people were excited for his films. And then I feel like two years later, people were like, who the fuck is this guy? Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think it helped that he did this and then he did Avatar, The Last Airbender, which is just like one of the worst movies and adaptations ever made. (laughs) So like really didn't help with his cred, you know, lady in the water. That was like, I saw that in theaters. It was such a bad film. (laughs) I might have to rewatch it at some point to determine, you know, if it's like funny, bad, or just like, Oh no, this is a irredeemable mess. But I think that for me, M night Shyamalan kind of like goes into like funny, bad. Like he's, he's like a, a like higher budget Neil Breen or like I brought up Tommy Wiseau, but you know, it's, it's like that for me. That's his vibe. I think the argument today for that is stronger than ever. We don't really have that anymore. Everyone wants to either make a billion dollars at the box office or win an Oscar. There are very little B movies today. And I, I think people started hating on him because People were throwing things like Genius and Hitchcock at him, right? And I don't think people were appreciating. Again, I don't know. If, it doesn't seem like he was aware of this. Or maybe he was. I don't know. I don't know him. But right. I, yeah, he's almost Ed Woodish in a sense, too. Mm. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I can't. Oh, God. I'm like failing to come up with the proper words for it. Well, and that's only because we don't have the lexicon today for these kind of movies. Everyone just wants to win an Oscar, sure. like I said, or make a billion dollars. Yeah. And I mean, I think with him, like what one of the things that like I think is so funny is that, you know, he does these like little cameos and like with Lady in the Water, it was like he was the genius writer that was going to save <laughs> this magical fish lady. And I'm just like, oh, well. so it's like he does have an ego and I'm sure that he like wants to be perceived as like, you know, this great Hitchcockian master of suspense and like, you know, a big smart boy who got all the twists up his sleeve that we're just never going to guess it. But he lacks self-awareness and he's not that. So I'm just like, I love that. Like, I think that's so fascinating to me where I'm like, yeah, like, (laughs) am I laughing with Shyamalan? Probably not, but I appreciate the the shit contributions that he has presented like these little like car 
crashes that are just really fun to watch. And you're like, yeah, like, <laughs> go off. Hmm. And hindsight is twenty twenty. I think he might have some awareness of this. Now, I don't think his... I'm sure over the years, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you make something like Avatar The Last Airbender. Wow. That movie stares at you and you're just like looking into the abyss. Like he made that. And I'm sure he was like, you know what? I, I fucked up. <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> I also haven't seen his most recent movie, Old, which I've heard is like a fun time. So like... You know, maybe he has loosened up over the years and is just kind of leaning into being like, yeah, this is what I am. You know, I am a delightful B-movie car wreck. Enjoy. Yeah, I haven't seen old either. And that's actually actually exactly what I was going to say. Like, I don't know if it leans into it or not. I do know for this, originally he had concepted the happening as sort of a 60s paranoia film like The Birds or Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But in 2007-2008, he was having a hard time getting this movie made. Eventually, a studio picked it up and he did it. Uh, But after Lady in the Water, they were really nervous about this one. It did not do well, but it did pretty good. Like It wasn't a huge hit, but $60 million budget, $163 million at the box office. That's still $100 million. So it's not like he's losing money. So there was enough here for people to still go. and The name still had cachet. It, it got trashed by the critics, though. Um, in hindsight, mm. recently he said that he should have done more of that B-movie thing. Both versions of The Blob, the original one and the 80s one, are sort of tongue-in-cheek. And he, he says that like he was a little too inconsistent with tongue-in-cheek horror. And oh my God, we should take this really serious horror, you know? Yeah. Like the village and signs and the sixth sense, it's clearly not tongue in cheek. You know, he's really trying to be creepy and, and whatever. Right. Here. I don't, I think it might be like one of these hindsight quotes. I think it accidentally stumbles into be into like a B movie. It accidentally stumbles into being funny and a little bit charming. And now he probably watches it and is like, well, fuck, I should have just gone all the way with that, you know? But yeah, my argument would be, if he did, would he have done it right? I don't know. I think it lands perfectly because because it was intended to be serious. Well, yeah, it's it's like that like conundrum that happens with movies that are so bad they're good. Of usually when it's approached with sincerity, like you know, like with like a a showgirls being a classic example that like they thought they were doing like serious, you know, film. Like it was like serious, you know, or like even the room, like, you know, serious, like this is acting, this is cinema. And it's like, Oh no, (laughs) they like just swung so boldly and completely missed the target that it's great. Whereas like for me, like films that are like, intentionally tongue-in-cheek can kind of go the wrong way like Sharknado just feels a little like oh okay we saw the room and Birdemic and like wanted to like kind of rip off that where it's like you need to have that sincerity you know you need to have that lack of self-awareness to just boldly commit full measure to like you know in this movie like a dude feeds his arms to lions like and we're supposed to be like you know like oh oh my god and like 
don't know. I can't say for everyone because like, oof, 2020 has really shown some people's asses. But for me, like if I were in real life, seeing a dude being attacked by lions, like I would be disturbed and upset, you know, like it's not funny that the people in these movies are killing themselves, but like the execution. um, No pun intended. It's no pun intended. Um, yeah, is really just so funny. So we should say that the premise of this film is that something in the human brain, we don't know what, is triggering people to just stop and kill themselves. Uh, suicide is a very serious thing. I, of all people, mm-hmm. will not make light of it in that way here. Same. But I do bring it up because it's like he picked like one of the most fucked up things to make a gimmick out of. And that's like, yeah. and that's like, what? But that kind of adds to the mystique of the film to me. Right. Cause you could, yeah, you could have just had like the plants, like, you know, horrifyingly kill people without having it be like them driving themselves to kill themselves. But then he didn't. It, it's weird to me that uh, the premise of the film is that like, whatever's triggering this to happen, they originally say that, oh, they'll find the quickest way to, you know, kill themselves. But you're so right, Jenny. Like, some people start to do elaborate things. Like, the lion tamer is, like... Yeah, he's just, like, a zookeeper. But, like, that's, like, not a quick and easy way. Like, he is just, like, ripping off his arms being, like, here you go, lions. Meow, meow. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> I don't think lions actually meow, but, you know, <laughs> like... How is that quick? <laughs> it's not quick, and it's not a way to kill yourself, really. Yeah. If this was truly a thing, you would just, like, you know, we see kind of horrible image of people just throwing themselves off buildings and stuff, but that's, like, a little bit more realistic than positioning a lawnmower and lying down in front of it to kill yourself, right. you know? It's just like, yeah. what? Or, like, like the, the knitting needle neck thing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, that seemed to be, like like in theory kind of quick but i'm just sort of like what (laughs) also that that intro i really thought that was dakota johnson but i guess it's not so (laughs) no i mean i didn't i don't see your name in the credits but let's go over those credits we already mentioned our lead here mark Wahlberg. and by the way uh this was still 10 years ago uh 2010 when mark Wahlberg commented on the film so only a couple years after it debuted i had to read this quote It was a really bad movie. Fuck it. It is what it is. You can't blame me for not wanting to try to play a science teacher. Uh, Maybe I can, but at least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. He also commented that Amy Adams, who was originally cast in Zoe Deschanel's role, dodged a bullet here by not being in the film. Uh, She probably did, but... Yes, I think so. (laughs) So we mentioned Zoe Deschanel plays Mark Wahlberg's wife. Um, the Twee Queen herself, if you're not familiar out there with the new movement of Twee, which is the old movement of Twee, uh, Zoe Deschanel is a queen to TikTokers now, and I mean queen with a W, to TikTokers. I mean, kind of rightfully so, because she, like, created a whole ass aesthetic that, like, yeah, like, it seems very authentic. So it's like she created a whole new type for better and for worse, you know, kind of for worse. If you're like a like five, five brunette with blue eyes, 
like it's like oh <laughs> you're a little fucked because now you're just like if you're an actor you're like put in a room and being like oh is Zoe Deschanel time <laughs> manic pixie dream girl <laughs> okay Jenny as an actor do, I mean what like 10 years ago five years ago well I don't want to date you sorry but uh, yeah no it's okay <laughs> a, a, a couple of, when Zoe Deschanel, when Twee wasn't a comeback when Twee wasn't a thing how many roles did you see where it said Zoe Deschanel type a lot right Oh, countless. Yeah. Like it was just like you were inundated with role descriptions that are like looking for a Zoe De Chanel type. You know? <laughs> and it was like, okay. <laughs> the true Twee Queen. Um, now Gen Zers are some Gen Zers, not all, trying to mimic yeah. her style that she just lived her life with. Um, happy to see her in this film. I think it's the Twee is a little toned down. It's still there because it is. She, she has to be herself. You can't have Zoe Deschanel not being Zoe Deschanel. I feel like if she could choose yeah. her wardrobe, it would be a little bit more well, yeah. twee-ish. Yeah, they definitely gave her like very like generic lady in a car commercial wardrobe. Like it's just very like muted. Like her her line delivery is still very her. It's just like she just feels very toned down. Yeah, it's kind of weird because her line delivery is almost like she's being her sort of it's like very like la la is kind of the vibe i get from her cutesy dry you know yeah it's sarcastic but it's not new york sarcastic it's not like i hate my life sarcastic no no definitely not like zoe deschanel is the person who like can go on twitter and just like write like i want to be a kitten and you're like yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know? You're like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it, there is like a little bit of dryness, you know, which I appreciate. It's funny that you brought up that Amy Adams was supposed to be in it because it's like the pairing of Mark Wahlberg and Zoe <laughs> Deschanel makes no goddamn sense, like at all. Like I was watching this movie and just like thinking like can people have negative chemistry and like <laughs> they can apparently according to this film i think that like amy adams would have made more sense but like i do think that she was smart to look at that script and be like i can't sell any of these lines i'm i'm good <laughs> like i'm done yeah but zoe and mark it kind of does make sense at the beginning because they're a struggling couple. They seem, you know, uh, especially Zoe Deschanel has has eyes elsewhere when she has dessert with a man. We'll get into it. But yes. but that part's okay. <laughs> like towards the end of the movie, when they're like all in love again and she like wants to be a mom. Like that's like, not that Zoe Deschanel yeah. doesn't want to be a mom personally because, you know, right. she, she's a mother with children and that and all that. She is a real adult now. She's not like a fantasy land child, like some people still imagine her, but it, it's weird because it just doesn't feel like, like you still feel like she's lying. Organic. Yeah. Organic. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. Cause they are so mismatched that it's kind of like this whole movie is just the definition of circling back from like, so bad that it's good that you're like compelled by this, like lack of chemistry and the lack of like, how do you two make sense together? <laughs> like, how did this happen? Who decided this was a good idea? And also in, in a weird way, it's like, I do commend Zoe Deschanel for like 
trying to sell the lines because I'm going to give her a lot more um, grace than I do with him. But it's like they are committed to the script in like very different ways where like Zoe Deschanel is like trying to sell it a little bit. Granted, there are some moments that it's just like someone gave no effort. Yes, go off. Give us nothing. <laughs> Indie queen. But like, you know, she she tries. She tries to sell it. <laughs> Good for her, you know, Um, we're like, Mark Wahlberg's just giving full measures of like, accidental genius is what he's doing, which kind of sells it that you're like, he is committed. And it's funny, because you mentioned uh, the indie thing. It's indie in a sense that like, I don't think at this point, it was supposed to be a big blockbuster. But it's still an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's not indie at all. You know, it has no indie feels when you watch it. So (laughs) I don't know. Really fun to see her here. Yeah. I don't know if this was her attempt to show range to be like, look, I'm not just your, you know, like indie queen with vintage records and tiny ukuleles. (laughs) You know, it's like that she's like, I too can be a generic woman who somehow also looks like a haunted Victorian doll. So, like, give us versatility. I love it. A couple other actors I want to mention here before just talking about all the silliness. Um, One of them is my guy, one of my favorites, John Leguizamo. Yes, I love him so much. He's the math teacher at the school. I love how these, like, M. Night Shyamalan thinks teachers live their professions all the time, right? Like, John Leguizamo's like, I gotta think of a math equation. And there's that scene where they're all in the car, presumably about to die. And he's trying to distract people with a math riddle. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, yeah, didn't you know, Brian, that's how teachers operate. Like you're a science teacher, science all the time, math, math all the time, English. Yeah, all the time. You know, you have no personality, only teach, only teacher. Only teacher. Yeah. A bunch of other actors here or there. The other person I really want yeah. to mention, though, was a surprise for me. Jeremy Strong from Succession, who, who, when I I say paid his dues, I mean, mean like, he was in the background of a lot of films. I knew that before landing the big Succession role. I mean, if the New Yorker article is to be believed, he pretty much considers himself, you know, a disciple of Daniel Day-Lewis. Real that kind of method actor where it's like, I'm in my role and this is me. Fuck everyone else on set. I'm, be, I'm always this to guy. To be a fly <laughs> on the wall for this role for for Jeremy, like that would be so great. Because yeah, I was I was so excited to see that, and also like real props to him for like his voice on Succession as Kendall is so good that like I'm like that's his voice, and then he do, does this accent. And I'm just like, what's this voice? Like, he really does, like, adapt. And also, I think it's funny that you skipped over, um, you know, the number one son, Connor Roy. Alan Ruck is in the Oh, movie. I totally, I I totally forgot. <laughs> Two successions, sorry. I forgot because I, did, really? I didn't write him in the cast. I wrote him in my notes. And I'm like, oh, cool. Cameron Fry, but he's only in briefly. It, he's in for like two seconds. Like, he's he's in it for a scene, which is real smart. Like that's a smart move. <laughs> that's a like this shows why Alan Ruck is just like you know a, a little treasure. Where I'm like, yeah, it just made me giggle because that's very in line with yes. Succession. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, Alan Ruck is the principal 
Um, again, high school slumber party legend here. So happy to see him. Yeah, but Jeremy yeah. Strong <laughs> as this military private, knowing what we know now, no one, no one could have known when they went to the theater to see the happening, Jeremy Strong's process, or they probably hadn't seen him in yeah. many other things. So they're just like, okay, this is right, the soldier. Just like, who's this intense soldier with like a, a kind of Southern accent? Like his accent sounded a little Southern. Yeah. Like it didn't have that, like, you know, I did so much cocaine and I'm depressed and daddy doesn't love me, but also I think I can rap the voice <laughs> that he has on profession, which is like masterful. So like, well done, Jeremy, you know? And knowing what we know now, seeing this private Auster is his name. Like I can mm. imagine how annoying he must've been on set as this private. Like he probably slept in the fatigues, you know what I mean? Slept, yep. slept on a cot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I'm sure he like buzzed his hair himself, you know, and they were just like, okay, (laughs) like, like, dude, you're hardly in the movie. Relax, but yeah, he like researched the roads. He like, you know, like got so familiar with that area. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised. Probably camped in people's backyards. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like lived off of military rations. Like really just got into the the character. Two other people I wanted to mention, I know they're known for their Broadway stuff. Beth Buckley played the old lady, Mrs. Jones. She's in a ton of stuff. If you look her up, uh, she's won two Grammys, a Tony Award. Yeah, I think she was one of the original people in Cats. Cat Cats oh, on Broadway, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so legendary Broadway actor here. Don't know what she's doing in this film. And there's another person who's a big Broadway actor, Victoria Clark who was the uh, nursery owner. Oh, with the dude. With the dude, yeah. I also want to talk about. (laughs) She won a Tony as well for Light in the Piazza in 2005. So, like, I don't know why. Maybe M. Night Shyamalan's a big fan of Broadway because he casted, like, two Tony Award winners here. At least two Tony Award winners. I might need to do a deep dive of the rest of the cast, but crazy. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. It also says that his cameo is Joey, voice only. Mm-hmm. Who is jo- who's Joey in the film? He's the the dude that Zoe Deschanel was like, we got oh. tiramisu that one time. I didn't cheat on Mark Wahlberg. Oh well, that makes <laughs> it was sense. Just dessert. That checks out. That was Joey. It took me it took me a while. It was like, who the fuck is Joey? And then I'm like, oh right, she's like Joey's from work. <laughs> like, so that's that also makes me giggle. That I'm just like, okay, of course, like M Night Shyamalan would cast himself as like. The person that Zoe Deschanel is having an affair with, <laughs> like, even though she clearly could, you know, and like did. Well, but like that whole plot was so confusing. We'll we'll definitely talk about that. Scenes I really want to discuss today. Well, we have our opening in Central Park. That's kind of eerie and that's kind of chilling. But then, whatever. Yeah, I mean, well, what's chilling about that opening was like the stilted acting. This goes back to, like, you know, I just want to get this little bit of, like, vindication from, like, every actor, teacher who's like, oh, what kind of roles do you want? And it's like, you want well-written roles because it is so hard to deliver lines when you're reading a script that's written by a person who, like, might actually just be an alien who doesn't know how people interact. So, like, they're imitating how people talk to each other. That's really hard to do. So, like, that actor who I thought was Dakota Johnson, who was, like, being really confused, I'm like, oh, sweetie. I I don't know if anyone could sell this. Like, (laughs) oof. 
And same with that construction worker. He was trying really hard, but like that segue made no no sense. It really did not make sense. It was all about the gag, but we don't we don't know what's happening again at this point. So you're like, what? But looking back, why would only the construction workers at the top of the building be the ones right. killing themselves? Yeah, that's that's not how air works. <laughs> <laughs> well, clear- there's just a lot of fundamental like M Night Shyamalan doesn't know how air works. M Night Shyamalan doesn't know what a conversation is like. You know? Well, clearly he doesn't know how air works. You know what his next film was? You said was it. that the last Airbender? I, I believe okay. so, or it's soon, because yeah, he clearly doesn't know. <laughs> he really doesn't. <laughs> we then come on to some of my favorite scenes, and it's actually Mark Wahlberg teaching in action. And he's like, why did all the bees die? You know, the honeybees, they're vanishing. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. Well, apparently honeybees are disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them just disappearing. There's no bodies, no sign of them. They're just mysteriously gone. This is scary, huh? All right, let's hear some theories about why this might be happening. Nothing? Come on, guys. Laura. Disease? Right. Could be a virus or infection. But it's all over the country. It's a coordinated event in 24 states. It's a little tricky. Pollution? Could be. I mean, we're just pumping so much junk into the environment, they're just keeling over. But there are no bodies. Keep guessing. Dylan. Global warming. Temperature goes up a fraction of a degree, makes them disoriented. Maybe. Jake? You don't have an opinion? You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Should be more interested in science, Jake. You know why? Because your face is perfect. The problem is, your face is perfect at 15. Now, if you were interested in science, you would know facts like the human nose and ears grow a fraction of an inch each year. So a perfect balance of features now might not look so perfect five years from now. It might look downright whack 10 years from now. Come on, buddy. Take an interest in science. What could be a reason the bees have vanished? an act of nature and will never fully understand it. Nice answer, Jake. He's right. I mean, science will come up with some reason to put in the books, but in the end, it'll be just a theory. I mean, we will fail to acknowledge that there are forces at work beyond our understanding. To be a good scientist, you must have a respectful awe for the laws of nature. Jake? How much does the human nose grow each year? It's minuscule, buddy, okay? Don't worry about it. You're gonna be a heartthrob your whole life. I was just messing with you. And he's like, how about you, pretty kid? Why do you think they're dead? Oh, I wrote down the the line. I can't I can't imitate it well, but it's you should be more interested in science, Jake, because your face is perfect. <laughs> like, but the best thing that I know I'm missing from this is like. Every single line that Mark Wahlberg says is asked like a question and it's just like steeped in sincerity. Like he is just sincerely inflecting 
every single time and it's hilarious like especially because someone was like yeah let's pop him in a sweater vest and just make him be like you know say that he read the new york times when it's like does mark Wahlberg actually even read <laughs> let alone the new york times but yeah that that face line was amazing and him talking about the honeybees was amazing. Like, if you have a moment, go look that scene up on YouTube. And the funny thing about this, too, is that as good as this scene is, it kind of ruins the movie for me. It doesn't, because I love the movie. Yeah. But, like, it, it ruins it in a sense. It's like, he himself is saying, sometimes things just happen, and you can't explain it. So then it kind of makes me think that, yes, that's what this movie is going to be about. That, like, maybe we just yeah. can't really explain it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Never right. during this movie... Was I like, hmm, why is this stuff happening? And it's kind of because of this scene. Well, yeah, I was not intrigued by like why things were happening just right off the gate. Yeah, I think because of this scene and like, sure, the beginning had some like, you know, why are people doing this kind of vibes? But then because it's M. Night Shyamalan and his dialogue, I just didn't care. I'm like, wow, I just really don't care what's happening right now (laughs) or why it's happening. Like... Especially because I do love the contrast between, like, Mark Wahlberg and, like, legitimately good John Leguizamo. Like, just, he's trying to sell it. And, like, he kind of is, even though his whole personality is just, like, math. Yeah. (laughs) Bring up math. (laughs) But, like, that just, like, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't actually, like, care about the central mystery. Well, because yeah, it was spelled out of being like sometimes things happen. I'm like, great. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that part of I think that part of the reason that this movie to me has aged well well aged well sounds sounds aged well is not what I mean, but aged differently well. I don't know, but mm, why yeah. why it serves like a different function today? It's weirdly a good pandemic film, ironically. <laughs> it's almost more effective its message during a pandemic than it is here where terrorists are blamed for everything. And yes, that was true mm. for a while. Terrorists were blamed for everything. Post nine, the post nine 11 world was like that after nine 11, we took a while to really bounce back, uh, especially culturally when it came to a lot of things. This is still 2008, and I wouldn't call M. Night Shyamalan a forward kind of writer, right? So a lot of people are blaming terrorists in the film for what's going on, assuming it's a terrorist attack. But that was real. That like People were actually doing that. Today, yeah. I don't think it would be as crazy, maybe like, again, the way people were killing themselves. Because of this COVID-19 pandemic, it's not as crazy to think things spreading like that and misinformation and certain people doing something, but, you know, initial panic at the beginning and different advice being given even by authorities and because no one knows anything, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I imagine that like watching this movie in full before in the before times would have been a different experience where like now it is interesting viewing it with that like 2020 COVID-19 pandemic lens and being like, fuck, this is kind of a movie about like, the pandemic and COVID-19. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't want in the hands of M. Night Shyamalan, to be honest with you, but... No, 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 please no. <laughs> but it does give us a little bit more of a perspective to elevate the movie 
where it can, to me, be seen as sort of a B-movie farce thing. Because there are, there are again, elements of truth in here. Yeah. It's just led by science teacher Mark Wahlberg. And he's, again, trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. Oh, my God. Just amazing. So let's uh, finally get into the little lover's quarrel that uh, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Chanel are going through. So they are married, but they're going through some stuff. Um, John Leguizamo and Mark Wahlberg are talking, and he mentions, like, oh, you know, how are things going? I saw when you got married, she was crying. <laughs> um, it's like, okay. Uh, I love this, like, very normal friend conversation that they have. Like. <laughs> it's like, you're just going to drop that now? like Yeah. Yeah, he has, like, just the most, like, casually intense way of dropping these lines that I really appreciate. And just, like, again, I love... John Leguizamo, I'm sure I am not saying his name correctly. I apologize to him, but like he's great. And just this movie, he, he can only do so much, you know, where I'm just like, oh, baby, <laughs> you're trying. So we see this dude. What did you say his name was? Then what Shyamalan plays? Joey? Joey. Joey's like calling, <laughs> texting. And I'm assuming they had like a serious affair or something along those lines. But it turns out, spoiler alert, guys, that after work, they got tiramisu together. And that's it. And she was like, you know, thank you. This was nice. And she went home. There's nothing wrong with getting dessert with a coworker, people. No, that's the thing. That's more of like, is this like something straight people do? (laughs) Like, is this like a straight people problem that like you can't get tiramisu with your coworker, Joey? Because like, obviously you're like doing something. Or was this like... Uh, maybe this is the mystery it's like did she actually get tiramisu you know like is that what he's trying to get us at to like misdirect you know this is the red herring like we're supposed to be like oh was she lying was she telling <laughs> i don't truth? think so like, though i think she just on i think he's upset that <laughs> she did lie she's she didn't tell him that she was getting tiramisu yeah but also like why is that a thing you have to tell someone <laughs> i don't know maybe she had said something else that she was doing something else i, I don't remember exactly but yeah. but it's so silly, and he's really 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 hurt by this. He's like, you you got you got dessert without me, you know? Oh yeah, no, I was gonna say my favorite thing is his response later on. In oh the yes, film. that's exactly like, what after... I was gonna say. Later in the film, when they're all running away from this thing that they don't know what's getting, they just have like a moment of quiet. And this was a scene that I'd seen a lot on YouTube. Um, it's great monologue in my opinion. I think you should use it uh, for acting. But oh yeah, absolutely! Like any actors listening to this, pick up this monologue. It's a great. It's, it's great for auditions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he just out of nowhere admits that he almost bought cough syrup because the pharmacist was cute. He didn't. If we're gonna die, I want you to know something. I was in a pharmacy a while ago. It was a really good-looking pharmacist behind the counter. Really good looking. I went up and I asked where the cough syrup was. I didn't even have a cough. And I almost bought it. And I'm talking about a completely superfluous bottle of cough syrup. That's like six bucks. Are you joking? He's like, it was almost like six bucks. You know what I mean? Like, And it's supposed to be <laughs> like a big awesome. reveal. And, and like Zoe Deschanel's reaction to it, like her, like, are you joking? Like, is <laughs> it's so good. It really, and what steals this more is like something that was 
brought to my attention that I cannot see any longer is that M. Night Shyamalan loves an awkward close-up. Like, it's just somehow the close-ups in all of his movies are just, like, a little bit too close, (laughs) like, in framing. So, like... It makes no sense. Like I'm I'm for a good close up. I think they can be like a really powerful tool in cinema to convey emotions, like but not when Shyamalan uses them. When when he uses them, I'm like, why am I so close to Mark Wahlberg's face right now? Or like they would just go right into Zoe De Chanel and like right at her eyes and like the whole movie, you can tell she doesn't want to be there. She's like, you know, I've said it before, but like she is giving like a haunted Victorian child doll realness in this movie. <laughs> Just like with the way that she's styled too, where she's in these like muted dark colors, but is still like pale and then has these big blue eyes and you're like, dang. <laughs> so like that close up on her being like, are you joking? Like, I'm like, yup, this is hilarious. This sells it. I love everything about this this couple that makes absolutely no sense together in any way shape or form there was a deleted scene actually that was supposed to open the movie up um after the i think central park happening or it might have been before Mm -hmm. um where they actually have a fight about like where were you that night blah 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 and then they make up but it's a little bit uneasy after that but Mm -hmm. he removed it because he wanted us to learn organically about this big issue that the couple is having about the tiramisu fight it's like what oh my god that yeah i feel like out of scenes to cut i'm like that would have actually added a lot of like context and clarity that like could have improved it i don't know i mean i don't think that that like the problem is fundamentally you have these two people with negative chemistry who make no sense. You've got Mark Wahlberg, science teacher, wearing a sweater vest. You've got Zoe Deschanel being like not Zoe Deschanel, but Zoe Deschanel. And like, I don't know their age difference, but like, he looks like a lot older than her. And like, you're kind of like, why are you two together? And then like the tiramisu thing is just like, kind of confusing because you're like why are you upset that she got dessert with her co-worker like <laughs> damn <laughs> you know and then everyone's like like if john like was was invested in three things in this movie it is math this relationship and then i guess his daughter but he like does kind of abandon her <laughs> so i'm just like maybe two things but you know i'm like yeah wow this is <laughs> This is a choice. <laughs> As I go through my notes, um, just to go back a little bit, I don't want to forget this. We mentioned that earlier scene in Central Park, and you said you didn't care for the acting or the lines, and you don't blame them. Uh, Kristen Connolly, who's one of the actors in the beginning, has completely disowned the film and refuses to talk about it. So she wasn't happy with it either. I mean, yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> this would be a film if I were in, I'd use like a fake name. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The other thing, again, as I rifle through my notes, when it's Mark Wahlberg's science teacher, it's when Mark Wahlberg says, be scientific, douchebag, when he's trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on. So he does a little bit more like self-hate. He's like, come on, just it's science. You know, I just love it. Be scientific, douchebag has to be one of my favorite quotes of all time. Apparently it was improvised. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which that's doesn't shock me. an amazing quote. And again, just like plaster that quote 
along all of Wahlburgers. I mean, what was another <laughs> quote? So, like, we've got the, like, you should be more interested in science, Jake, because your face is perfect. Like, if you need a Tinder line, there we go. You know, you can adapt that. I mean, I love... Yeah, the hot dogs get a bad rap. That scene. Oh, you know, oh, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, like... we'll get to that. We'll get to that couple for sure. Oof. Because as we move yes. to the countryside, because okay, we get the attack on New York, then it's in Philadelphia, and that's their home city. Um, Emily Shyamalan makes a lot of his films in the Philadelphia area. He's a Philadelphia na- native. And, and as we move away, first we're on a train. The train stops right. Then we're in the middle of nowhere, Filbert, Pennsylvania. Um, that's when it's like he, he says the douchebag line. We're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Long story short, they meet a weird couple that agrees to drive them, and they own a nursery, right? Like they grow plants. They're the first ones to float the theory that everyone is killing themselves, especially in populated areas, because the trees or, or plants are possibly giving off some kind of reaction or some kind of chemical thing. Uh, Mark Wahlberg also mentions that there are certain plants that will do this uh, because, you know, he knows all his science. It's a heavy handed way of being like, you know, we're killing the earth and the plants are fighting back, essentially, which is sort of Thanos ish, kind of kind of interesting, kind of cool. Right. Like, like it could have been a cool thing to explore, like climate change and horror with like a different director. Or like I could imagine that if like that premise was made by like. Jordan Peele now it would be like interesting continue but but you brought it up the hot dog thing we're packing hot dogs for the road you know hot dogs get a bad rap they got a cool shape they got protein you like hot dogs right by the way I think I know what's causing this you do it's the plants they can release chemicals You like hot dogs, don't you? Okay, babies. We are going to be going, but we will be back soon. Okay? Our plants react to human stimulus. They, they prove it in tests. Get the mustard? The fact that this couple is obsessed with hot dogs is so weird. And again, that's that to me, like, so weird. I love it. This has B movie potential here. This is like, it would be a good B movie if you leaned into it more. You can't tell me that he seriously was writing these hot dog lines, was he? I honestly don't know because, like, so much of the dialogue is just like, what are these conversations? Has. M. Night Shyamalan talked to another person before. (laughs) Like, is M. Night Shyamalan even a person? Because if someone was, like, revealed, you know, hey, he's an alien studying our planet, I'd be like, you know, that makes sense. Like, just based off of the way that he, like, writes conversations or, like, segues into conversations, like, nothing feels organic somehow even just like i know this is circling back to the lions because that's my favorite death i'm calling it but like the way the lady who like showed the video was just like oh my god look at the lions <laughs> like oh my god look at this thing <laughs> it was just like so flat <laughs> and like so like what like really like the whole movie dialogue wise gives off like the room like oh hi johnny you're my favorite customer here are flowers there you go bye and you're just like 
what did I watch? (laughs) (laughs) What am I watching? So like the hot dog couple, like they made sense, but also didn't make sense at all. But I just love that that was in there. Just face value, serious, like let's talk about hot dogs. Eventually too, we lose Ligazamo because he's along for the ride with his daughter. His wife, Mm -hmm. who we never see, is in New Jersey because she was trying to get out of the city as well. So he eventually makes the choice to leave and go find her. And for whatever reason, he's like, hey, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Chanel, you take my daughter. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had to get rid of the most capable actor. Because <laughs> like, that that's something that's like, I, I've been thinking about it and it is glaring. It's like you have like, I don't know if you've ever like watched an acting class. It's like watching a monologue where like someone is actively just like killing it. And you're like, wow, they are really at the scene and then someone who like has never acted before in their life you're just like oh what are you doing (laughs) no or like they they couldn't keep that up forever you know like it would be real apparent (laughs) like the disparity between the levels of like craftsmanship between john and mark because they're in so many scenes together (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough but i was sad to see him go I was too. I mean, I love that you tried to like comfort that lady with math though, where I'm like. (laughs) Once again, using his riddles to to make people feel good about themselves. But I, I bring it up too, because now basically the rest of the movie in various groups of other people, but our main nucleus becomes Zoe Deschanel, Mark Wahlberg, and the little girl. We are learning that this is attacking populations, whatever it is, the, the plant thing. The bigger the group you're in, the more likely you are to want to kill yourself because of these plants. So they keep paring down the groups and paring down the groups and paring down the groups. Eventually, you know, that's where they meet the Jeremy Strong military guy. But eventually his group kills itself. And we're whittled down at one point to the our three heroes, if you will, and two kids who, when they approach some random house, the two kids who are just punk asses because they're like, they're kind of being dicks, but that doesn't mean they should be shot. And M. Night Shyamalan well, has yeah. these people just shoot these children. They're like teenagers. Right. I mean, yeah, they they were being a little shitty, but also at the same time, it's like the people in the house were kind of being shitty. So, like, nobody wins. <laughs> Another brilliant moment in that, like, house confrontation scene is to prove that he's normal. Mark Wahlberg sings like uh, the like Oh Black Waters song. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but he just sings at them like a deranged musical theater kid. Yeah, but like with a heavy Boston accent, Mississippi and, like, like, like no it. rhythm, <laughs> and no tone. I'd be like, you don't sound it's- human, sir. <laughs> One black water, keep on rolling, Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? See, we're normal. Yeah, like I love that. That's like you know, how you prove that you're normal. (laughs) It's so funny. We miss, though, one of my favorite scenes in the film. It has to be when they go to that model home and Mark Mark Wahlberg (laughs) is scared of a houseplant that ends up being plastic and he starts talking to it. You think it could be plants? I don't know. But if it is and people are setting it off in groups, we need to go to the least populated place we can to be safe. Can't walk to the borders where this isn't happening. Oh, that's too far. Whatever it is, terrorists, a nuclear leak, 
plants. It's probably safe to get away from people right now. That must be Erndale. It's 10 miles from here. Okay, this place must have a bathroom. I'm gonna take Jess and we can leave. Hurry. Hello? My name is Elliot Moore. I'm just going to talk in a very positive manner. Giving off good vibes. We're just here to use the bathroom. And then we're just gonna leave. I hope that's okay. That has to be one of the inspirations of the Andy Samberg, uh, Mark Wahlberg oh, talk, yeah. talks to animals. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, I think that skit, he like wisely used like this scene, this conversation as source material. Like, you're and you're a plant. Why am I out. talking to you? I shouldn't be afraid of you. I know you're a plant, but oh, you're plastic. Thank God. Like, just like... I know. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, there there are just a lot of like really like quotable scenes. I mean, not for like the right reasons, you know. Like it's great. Honestly, someone should make a restaurant. Uh, like put it directly across the street from Mark Wahlberg's and make it the happening themed and just surround <laughs> it in quotes from God. the happening. It would be amazing. It's just an immensely quotable movie, and it's I. I thought I was going to be bored in this movie. I thought I was like not going to enjoy it, but it's so short that you're just along for the ride and it doesn't really even matter where it's going, but it's just like, it's just fun to follow this character. I I guess it's fun to follow Zoe Chanel, but it's fun to follow his Mark Wahlberg character and just his, his like, you know, get scientific douchebag thing. Another scene we missed talking about because I don't remember even the order of this movie, to be be honest with you. Like, they're just, right. just coming back. No, and... this, this movie gets reduced to just, like, like, really, it is just, like, a bunch of memes in a trench coat. And you're like, yeah, you're right, because you're film. <laughs> they're in, like, various fields that look the same for most of the movie. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, we're in it. A... Oh, yeah, with dramatic shots of, like, rustling leaves. Yeah, we're like, we're in a different <laughs> county now. It's a little bit more rural. Ah, it looks like the same field you shot in an hour ago, but whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. There's that one scene where he's trying to figure it out, and it's like, give me some time, I'm thinking. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, I do, yeah. The toxin? The toxin is affecting them? You were with a private. What do we do? We need to do something. Oh, just let me think. Ah, they're dying. I need a second. They released it. We're not near the road. We can't just stand here as uninvolved observers. I need a second, okay? Just give me a second. We're not going to be one of those assholes on the news who watches a crime happen and not do something. We're not assholes. Just a second. There were children in that Elliot, please tell us what to do. I need a second, okay? Why can't anybody give me a goddamn second? I honestly don't even know if that was in the script. I feel like that was just like them asking Mark Wahlberg a question. And this is how he responds to any sort of thought. Because like if if Mark Wahlberg like sincerely thought about things, I would be surprised. He needs a second. That's what he says. Like, give me a, yeah. give me a second. I need a second. I'm trying to figure it out. 
And they're all like looking at him. Well, he's a science teacher. He should know, you know, come on. <laughs> Which is wild. Like, <laughs> it, It's just so funny that like, again, he's like, he's so miscast for the role if they wanted this to be like a serious movie, like a serious contender. <laughs> I mean, I at this point, I don't even know, like in like movies made in 2008, like who I would replace him with nobody because he's so miscast that he circles back into being perfectly cast for this role like if we needed like what if jimmy stewart was a boston bro like <laughs> that's the exact energy he gives <laughs> so sorry to jimmy stewart but I, i'm glad you bring up jimmy stewart because i'll say for the thousandth time today it does harken back to not necessarily jimmy stewart but that era of these matinee b movies right like that yeah that like are so absurd to us today but if you watch them with a kind of different lens it's funny and it's fun and it's also you know a little bit gripping but we're not in it for that we're in it for just the fucking ride i don't know i can't describe it yeah i know it's it's hard to describe because like bless this movie it does not drag so it it does not It, it really doesn't Okay, the only time it drags a little bit, ironically, and, you know, this is the weirdest thing to say about the writing, but it dragged a little bit to me when they go to this house in the end, this off-the-grid lady. Oh, yeah. She, she's this lady who's living off the grid with a beautiful, nicely upkept home and all these supplies. She says she has, you know, farms her own food and stuff, and yeah, she's a little crazy from living by herself, I'm sure. But, like, the home had too much upkeep. For just like one old lady. Yeah, well, it's also, I think with that that house scene, the tone shifts were so wild. So that's why to me it was, it started to slow down because it became less about what was happening outside. And like, it was like M. Night Shyamalan was like, oh, remember, I'm a horror director. So I kind of have to make a horror film where like, is this lady going to kill them? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I love the way that she calls her lemonade lemon drink. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like these weird moments of like it goes from comedy, but then they're having this like awkward dinner where like no one's ever had a conversation or like I would hope that no one would have a conversation or moments that like mimic this because it just was it was weird. Every single line of dialogue just was like, what is this? And then she like slaps the little kid's hand for like trying to like take some food and i'm just like lady what (laughs) the weirdest line at the dinner scene to me is that she randomly brings up like oh we have a spring house that you could uh yes there's a tube from like the slavery times where you can hear uh from one house to another like you're there it's like no one brought that up no one asked a follow-up question we know it's going to be applicable later i see that there's only 10 minutes left of the film the only reason it was said was so we could use it later it's oh my god Oh yeah, no. This this is like the epitome of like nobody talks like this. <laughs> exactly, exactly like you said. <laughs> exactly. But eventually, you know, she ends up killing herself as well because of the happening. Oh, but you're forgetting two different important details. So one, the iconic delivery of Mark Wahlberg when like this lady is accusing him and Zoe Deschanel of like trying to, like, murder her in her sleep, which just, like, first of all, wild. I hear you whispering. Planning on stealing something. No, ma'am, we're not. Plan on murdering me in my sleep. What? 
No. He's like, no, ma'am. What? No. I got it. I got it. I just, I love it so much because he's just so sincere and it's framed in that signature like M. Night Shyamalan, like awkwardly shot close up and you're just like, this is great. And then second thing about her that like she has this weird doll Jesus room, like as if we needed more evidence that we were in a horror movie directed by a horror director that like, you know, ooh, spooky old lady and living in the woods with like her weird doll Jesus room that like never gets explained. Like if you want an explanation, not going to happen. But just I had to bring that up because like there's also just weirdness where she like either moves like lightning or Mark Wahlberg is slow as fuck, or this is just badly edited and somehow she like goes from inside the house to like all the way the fuck outside, like very far from the house to like kill herself. That I'm just like, what is geography? <laughs> what is, what is this? Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, at least we did get to see a Victorian doll that wasn't Zoe Deschanel. You know, what true. I mean? yeah. that was interesting. I don't know if it was a parallel or whatever. <laughs> Maybe it was. Maybe it was symbolism. Maybe it was a representation of Zoe Deschanel's soul during this movie. I know a lot is happening in the film to the people around them, but it only takes place over about 24 hours. And Zoe Deschanel goes from someone who's reluctant about the fact that she even got married, doesn't even know if she wants to be in this relationship anymore, to someone who's like, really wants to be married and a mom and have like traditional housewife values. I feel like that's what M night Shyamalan is, or or I say, or whoever, but he's the writer, producer and director. So M night Shyamalan Mm -hmm. is like really leaning on. So like she builds this bond with the uh, John Leguizamo's daughter because both the parents are dead and now it's their daughter, I guess. (laughs) Right. Like, so, so when she takes her to the spring house and Wahlberg is locked in the other house and they're kind of just there right waiting um they're assuming they're gonna die because the old lady's dead they're assuming that somehow the tree air is gonna get in the house and they're like i love you wish you were here but if you think of the context of the film how long were they in there for maybe half an hour (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i mean yeah it makes no sense it's not that long to be away from someone who you're directly communicating with through this tube or whatever that they, that the old lady talked about. So weird. So weird. So weird. Along with the mood ring motif. The, like, I was, I wasn't even going to bring that up because I, that I don't understand. <laughs> he bought her a mood ring on their first date, but evidently he bought one that fit his hand because he's the one who wears it. Yeah. I thought that was going to mean something or it was going to be a clue or something. I thought so too. It just left the mystery of like, is purple, does that really mean horny? Yeah. Because I don't know. As someone who has like really bad circulation, mood rings don't work for me. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm like an enemy of lizards because I just run cold. And like, I guess mood rings because I run cold. It just doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, great. And it's this huge <laughs> mood ring. It's like the biggest mood ring I've ever yeah. seen. Um, yeah, whatever that is. But event, you know, eventually when they decide to just be like, fuck it, if we're going to commit suicide, we might as well do it together. Right. And they just like drag this little kid with them too. I'm like, did she? Yeah. Agree to that? Yeah. But it turns out they waited out the bullshit 
the happening is over, at least for now. No one still knows what it is. Uh, we get a couple flash flash forwards where it's like most people believe it's plants. Some people still believe it's a terrorist attack. We learn that it actually really did only happen in the Northeast of the United States, that everywhere else was okay. The country's still reeling from it, but <laughs> this is a, a like a what the fuck moment. Like Zoe Deschanel has a pregnancy test and just reveals she's pregnant and she's happy. I was going to say like, that's the most unbelievable part of this movie for me. Like, did they did not have sex. Like, I refuse to <laughs> believe that Zoe Deschanel's character had sex with Mark Wahlberg's character enough to get a baby. Because, like, plants murdering us? Yeah. Like, sure. I, I can get behind that as a concept. But, like, those two people having sex and wanting to actively have a family and, like, raising... John Leguizamo's family, even though, like, she had no interest and only had a day to, like, be like, you know what? I'm really going to commit and just change my whole perspective and lifestyle. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) But even still, right? Like, the fact that they gain a daughter through this, um, through, you know, the now orphaned daughter of John Leguizamo. And, 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 you know, it's cute and it's nice. She's going to school for the first time. They show the picture of their parents, whatever. Why did we then have to have, oh my God, she's pregnant too. Isn't it already enough that she's accepted her role as a mother to this child? They're like, oh, no, no, this one's going to be my real baby. Like, what? It's just right. so fucked uh. up. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, it just, it furthers my understanding that like, you know, if, if M. Night Shyamalan doesn't understand how people operate, like he sure as shit does not understand like what women experience or like <laughs> their perspectives at all. I mean, Zoe Deschanel's character was like barely a character. Cause like, at least with Mark Wahlberg, you could say like he loved science, <laughs> but like Zoe Deschanel, you're like, how would you describe her character? And that's like, you know, again, just being way too repetitive about this. But, you know, if you're trying to act with a script that doesn't give you a her character is just like doesn't want to get married or like regrets marriage. How do you play that? You're like, what? <laughs> like, does she have any interests? So she's fe- sense of humor. maybe. So she's feeling really something. So she's feeling really guilty because she had an Italian dessert that tastes like coffee. With another man. That's her whole character. (laughs) Like, that's it. You know, they don't even have, like, the guts to give her, like, a weird sort of parallel to, like... Because it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, M. Night Shyamalan saw Jurassic Park and was like, okay, instead of, you know, like, taking the message, don't be transphobic because otherwise you die, you know, (laughs) because, like, the dinosaurs. He took the whole, like, ah, yes, so, like... A traumatic effect makes someone realize, you know, like Sam Neill's character that like, oh shit, he actually does want to be a dad and settle down and loves kids now. Like they couldn't even make Zoe Deschanel like hate a kid, you know, they weren't bold enough to like be like, yeah, let's, let's give a real decisive arc that like she doesn't like kids and, you know, like, and regrets the marriage. And then over the course of the movie, she realizes like, you know what, actually, I really love kids and really love this 
science teacher. <laughs> like, I can't even sell it because it's too ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, it just <laughs> like it's just like that's that's the vibe that I get. It's like trying to be Jurassic Park's like parenthood arc, but without any nuance and depth. <laughs> oh man, and dirty, dirty, dirty M Night Shyamalan. He's got to be up to his tricks again because the movie is not over. The happening just doesn't end. It's not just a fluke. The guy on the TV is like, well, people don't really believe it because it only happened in one place. It's like, believe it. A lot of people died, but whatever. Yeah. We, we just get like this scene. It's like a typical. It reminded me if you ever seen like Team America World Police that opens yes. up in Paris and it's like a silly oh, it was caricature of so Paris. <laughs> this is. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised that like there wasn't just someone wearing a beret holding a baguette maybe also holding a pomeranian wearing like a striped shirt yeah. smoking a cigar just being like oh ha, ha, croissant yeah, bon, <laughs> you know? like, like we are in paris and, and you know as yeah. soon as you see it that it's gonna happen there and boom it happens right. there so oh yeah i mean also something that took me out um a little bit and this is just like you know, sorry to be bringing attention to this random extra dude in this scene, but like the way he puts his hand in his pocket is so weird. Like, it's like he's never put a hand in a pocket before. And like, I don't know if you've seen, uh, there is an episode of 30 Rock where like Liz Lemon tries to act and like she can't convincingly wave or like can't like do anything that like these like little things that you like don't think about doing every day. And that's just a sign of like a really bad director that I'm like, you chose that take with him just like struggling to put his hand in his pocket. Like he couldn't even just put his hand in his pocket like a normal person, you know, like it was wild where I'm like, oh, Shyamalan, if your weird camera angles just didn't draw attention to this, I probably wouldn't have noticed. But then I did. And like, it doesn't help that like the conversations are stilted and the walking backwards thing. I'm like, why are you walking backwards? <laughs> Go commit suicide. <laughs> like, what is this? Because that was a choice. That was like, I feel like that was him trying to be spooky, scary. And I'm like, this isn't spooky or scary like what what's going on here <laughs> or like surreal and it's not really worth having the like deeper conversations that he probably wanted us to have like oh is this no. about <laughs> paranoia post 9-11 yes it is oh is this about yeah. about climate change yes it is climate change is real and it's there and yes people do mm -hmm. ignore it but that's not what this movie made me think of. This movie made me think of no. the silliness of Mark Wahlberg and his his, yeah. his science douchebag and all that, that uh, fun, yeah, it, fun it stuff. It made me think of like that hot dogs, lemon drink, cough syrup, <laughs> fake plants. But, but, like... but just like the B movies, <laughs> like, like Reefer Madness or something, it is yeah. warning us of something. And I think that's another, I'll use good in quotation marks, but good sign of this type of movie that I enjoy, like even like the, you know, the Boston marathon uh, bombing movie or the other Mark Wahlberg things, they all seem to have a lesson. And this one also has a lesson, which honestly, I actually kind of agree with this lesson. We should be nicer to the planet. Um, some of the other ones yeah. I don't necessarily agree with, like in these traditional B movies, but this one I actually agree with, but I think it's important to have that at its core to make it a more fun movie, ironically. Well, yeah, it needs that core of sincerity. Like, that's the thing that, like, really makes a good B-movie is that you have to just, like, 
fully commit and just fully like be sincere that's real magical like would this movie change someone's mind if they were like a climate change (laughs) denier probably not (laughs) but like that's also not movies obligations but i do appreciate his attempts to have serious discussions about like the environment post 9-11 and how like climate change is a real problem and like let's you know try to be kind to nature or nature will literally kill you (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) which it will with climate change when the sea levels rise like that's ah. (laughs) you're right the sincerity is so important it's not aimless like uh you brought up like those sci-fi movies like sharknado and stuff like that sometimes those feel a little bit aimless yeah or like there was like a terrible i forget the name of it it was like a a swedish movie about a shark detective like a literal shark and you're just like what the what is the point (laughs) even movies that are like you know velocipaster is like very sincere and you're just like you're exploring religion interesting <laughs> like you know <laughs> so it's just like okay like religious trauma like air like religion and trauma and you're like all right yeah like the room was set out to be like you know sincere you know a streetcar named desire like exploration of modern romance like you know it wasn't aimless it had a point it had a, a point of view and a message that really wanted to be delivered well but just was delivered in the way that it was and i'm happy it was delivered in the way that it was like maybe don't look up would have been a a more well-received movie if they just made it a b movie probably (laughs) i haven't seen it admittedly so i'm like "Uh." (laughs) but you know my quick opinion on don't look up it's so divisive and it shouldn't be it should i saw it as a b movie um be in that way but some people love it some people hate it some people and not a lot of people are in between consider myself in between i found it entertaining it didn't change my life yeah moving on to our questions and awards i think they're very important today because the first one is who was this movie made for god i i don't even know i feel like it's just like you know to um keep butchering this quote from one of my favorite camp classics uh the dark knight you know, it's the hero that Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I can't, I honestly can't tell you. I don't know who the fuck it was made for, but I'm just so happy that he decided to make this and that Amy Adams dropped out. <laughs> My take was that it was made for M. Night Shyamalan. I think he made it for himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Most likely to succeed. Which character won the movie? It's about a high school teacher. We don't get a lot of students. We get teens at some points. Yeah, we got Jake. Yes. <laughs> With his perfect face. <laughs> the fact that he's a high school teacher and John Leguizamo is a, a teacher is very, very important to the movie. So it counts, all you haters yeah. out there. So It does. But which character won the film? Hmm. I mean... Oh, that's hard because like I kind of want to say John Leguizamo, but like he <laughs> left. He like killed himself and I'm like <laughs> For me, he won the film like acting wise, just performance wise. I think he handled this like flaming pile of garbage and confusion with like the best of his abilities. So like he was still really good. Oh no, like, no despite doubt despite this bad no film. doubt. You know, so I want to say him, but also maybe Alan Ruck. I think he won 
because he was only in the scene for like two seconds and just like you don't know what happened to him he did he die maybe but maybe not you know I'm going to say, because it is character, I'm going to say that it's Zoe Deschanel's character for this reason. She literally got to have her cake and eat it, too. Her tiramisu? Yeah, she ha- she got to oh. she got to have her dessert. <laughs> and she, she still got to stay with the man of her dreams. And not only gain a child, but have a baby eventually as well. Like, yeah, their apartment was nice, too. I was very like, That's nice. That's a nice-ass home. Very nice. And, and as much as I enjoy the Wahlberg performance, her character gets to experience it the rest of her life. Yeah. Parenting with him forever. So I know a lot of people would say Wahlberg because she stayed with him in the end. He sort of figured out what was going on. But they're all fucked at the end yeah. of the day anyway. But right. I don't know. Right. I, I can see that. That's that's a good that's a good point. You know, she like gets to just experience Mark Wahlberg's sincere questioning of everything. Like he's gonna talk to her about honeybees and science for the rest of her life. <laughs> all right. Next award, the Wooderson Award. Is there a character here who you would have liked to have seen more of? Ooh, I mean, you know, we've got our like weird, like side characters, you know, I, I could bring up like, you know, Alan Ruck, but like, I think he, he really, again, just his one scene where he was on screen for like two minutes. That was perfect. That was right. The hot dog guy, <laughs> I think was like intriguing, you know? So I'm just like, what, what about him? I think he, he would be my pick. You know, I mean, I am curious if someone could do like a, I wish someone had the foresight to do like a documentary following Jeremy Strong's process, like in every film that he's done. I want to know. I just want to know what he did. Yeah, I think Jer- I think uh, Ligazama was in the film the right amount. I think, I mean, I could always do, do more of him, but I think he was in the right amount. I think Jeremy Strong was in the film right, of the right amount. I like, yeah. I like that it was a small role because it adds to the mystique. Like I said to me that like he probably like took this so seriously and for years was was practicing uh, or not, it's not practicing oh, yeah. living his role. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to actually say Alan Ruck only because he's been in a couple other disaster films. I'm not counting Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Like, I suppose there's some element of disaster there, but uh, he was in Twister with, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. I'm not the Philip Seymour Hoffman as the star, but you know what I mean? I know. Well, that's how I think of it, to be honest. When I think of Twister, I view him as the star, and I'm just like, yeah, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman's movie. He was also in Speed, which is kind of like a similar sort of film. So I would like to have seen him reacting more to like the stuff that's going on. I don't want him necessarily to be just like a principal with things under control the entire time. I want to see Alan Ruck panic. I think he's a good panic actor. He is a good panic actor. That's... (laughs) That's true. You know, I was more thinking of like what a dream it is to like, he, he probably made like some good money, you know, like, cause I would shell out some dough for Alan Ruck. If he didn't, I would be very disappointed, you know, but like, just like making a sweet paycheck for like, just like probably a day of shooting, not even. And then he can like, I don't know what Alan Ruck does in his spare time, but like, he can go do like legend shit. And be like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, leave set, <laughs> done. But yeah, I think it, it would have been nice to see him panic a little bit more. Maybe they could have let him panic as the principal instead of just being so like 
composed. Next award is the Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Would you delete anyone from the film? Ooh. I mean, honestly, I can't think of anyone that I would delete off the top of my head. You know, because like somehow... I know I've just spent like the past like over an hour like shitting on M. Night Shyamalan's ability to write people and I stand by it but also somehow like every single character if you can even call them characters like they work they work in this like every stilted actor everyone I'm just like yeah keep them all there was no one I like actually like hated enough to be like oh get get out of here i was like no everyone is somehow like so compelling to watch that i'm just like yeah (laughs) i agree with that i agree with that there's a lot of people who come in and out of the movie that they don't really overexpose themselves the movie's also not problematic like yeah i mean look should there be a better balance of diversity and stuff like that sure but it's not like yeah it's not like overtly exactly exactly it's not like there are, there are some movies in like 2008 that you would like watch and you're just like, ooh, ooh, we did that. like For sure. You know, and, and granted, this is, it's a low bar to be cleared considering that like the next movie he did, he just decided that like, we're going to take a multicultural Asian and Inuit inspired show, cast it full of white people and then make all the villains brown. <laughs> oh boy. Where you're like, ooh. <laughs> So it's like not that, but yeah, of course it could be more like inclusive or like having another, you know, like Bechdel test being like, could we get a character who's a woman who isn't the old lady talking about lemon drink? Because I think this movie does weirdly pass the Bechdel test, even though it shouldn't. <laughs> but just like more, yeah, more inclusive representation, better written. For, sure, but again, it's not glaring. So I'm going to delete. It's not glaring. Th- this is going to be controversial for our pro-lifers out there. But I'm going to delete Zoe De Chanel's unborn baby because it was such an unnecessary plot point. <laughs> <laughs> come on yeah no that's i think my brain just like blocks <laughs> that out because again i don't believe that they had sex like i <laughs> i can't i just can't accept that oh man i can accept a dude lying down and letting a lawn mower run over him but i can't accept zoe deschanel and mark Wahlberg having sex that's the hill i die on ironically alan ruck is in this movie but the Cameron Fry Award doesn't really feel right to give out because we don't see a lot of high schoolers. I'd have to really pause and see if anyone looked too old to be a high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was just Science Jake, you know? Yeah. Science and Jake. perfect face. <laughs> he fit in. So yeah. Incomplete award there. So let's, this is going to be tough today, but we're going to have to grade this film. Um, handing you the red pen, Jenny, giving you the manila card. A plus to F scale. And that's, again, on enjoyment. It's not on how good this movie is. And and you can tell that this movie is not yeah. on paper good. If we look at Rotten Tomatoes, 17% by the critics, 24% by the audience, 2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. These are not great scores. No. No, they aren't. And We're throwing those. You know, I'm going with... Yeah, no, no. Throw them throw them that way because it's it's one of those things that, like... If you were to go through it and break it down, like just like on a technical level and be like, the script was terrible. The camera work, terrible. 
the acting what was that you know like everything about this is terrible i give you an a like that's my response like you know i can't i can't give it an f like because it entertained me like everything was so wrong that it was right and it would just feel like such a disservice to give it a grade that isn't you know an excellent like you passed you did it you know yeah i I, honestly i was gonna give it a b for b movie but i'm having so much fun talking about it i'm having so much fun thinking about it that i would watch this movie again at parties so i'm gonna give it an a minus it is not a good movie and that's what makes no. it good. <laughs> exactly. It's quick and fun too. If it was three hours or something, I would definitely not give it this oh, score. Yeah. But it's barely yeah, no, it's 90 minutes. Length. Barely 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You just get like, you know, barely 90 minutes of iconic line readings and like just uh, it's it's so good. It's so memeable. I love it. Love it so much. So you and I were at our the happening slumber party. And we have our custom sleeping bags. What does your The Happening theme sleeping bag look like? Oh, okay. So I think I would want it to look like a giant novelty hot dog. Like nice. I want to sleep inside a hot dog, <laughs> you know, and have like mustard on the dog because they talked about it. You know, they, they definitely brought up mustard. So I'm like, okay, you got to have a little, little sauce. Um, I would also just want the mustards like swirl to have uh you know the the iconic like all right be scientific douchebag just like somewhere along the hot dog you know meshing two things and as a bonus because I did not get my succession I guess it would be like it can't be a reunion it would be like a pre-union I love that they were both in this movie I I hope that they talk about it on set, except I know Jeremy Strong doesn't talk to anyone on set and it's just Kendall. <laughs> but like, I want there to be a, a like radio in the, the sleeping bag that plays the succession theme song as I go to sleep. Yeah, I really, I really wonder if they did even briefly. Well, they weren't in a scene together, but like, Oh, I mean, that would have been fun if they were. Like, if they somehow figured out how to get Alan Rook to be part of their their crew. Well, that's why that's know? why I said he should. He he's my character that I want to see more of. Um, but that's another good reason. Yeah, for okay, it. I changed my mind. I want to see more of him too. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, like when Jeremy Strong is not being Kendall, that he can. Uh, just be like, hey, we were in a movie together. I don't know if you realize it, but I really highly doubt that considering the way people say he is. Yeah. My sleeping bag, ooh, the hot dog one is good. I want a periodic table of the elements, you know, a, a science mm-hmm. table, if you will. And I want yes. I want Mark Wahlberg, though, to like write out like what he thinks the elements are. You know what I mean? Like, like, Ooh, I don't know. I'm so intrigued. I guess it's helium. It's it's lighter than the other one. These are the noble gases, you know. Like, I don't know. That's barin- barium or something. <laughs> like, are bees it? <laughs> are bees an element? Yeah, be- like... bees. The, the Red Sox got to be an element, right? <laughs> the... Gotta have Duncan. Like... <laughs> yeah, great. 
Dorchester. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Dorchester. Like, I do wish they got him to say Wicked Piss a Home Wrecker <laughs> at least once, but alas. Alas. Um, okay, my favorite question every week. You and I are in the magical blockbuster that has every movie that has ever existed. We know we're renting The Happening, which feels like it would be a slumber party movie now that I've seen it. But uh, we get to the front counter. We see that there's a sign that says rent two movies, get one free. I say, Jenny, go to the back. I'll hold her place in line. Find two other films that we'll watch for our rental trifecta this week. What should we watch with The Happening? Okay. I mean, I know one of the picks is like very on theme and like, is it too much disaster movie? But also, you know, fuck it. I'm throwing Birdemic into the mix (laughs) because that just feels right. (laughs) Like, And then the other, I wish, um, I wish I could just get like a, a box set of succession seasons one through three and we just go hard go home with like all nice nice but i know that that's not technically a movie we can do it if you want we can do it if you want yeah fuck it let's do that (laughs) yes (laughs) love it love it could you imagine kieran culkin in this film yeah i mean i'm trying to think of like who i would cast out of like the succession cast you know, so it's like I probably would replace John Leguizamo with Kieran Culkin just because, like, I think that makes about as much sense. And they're both great actors. So I'm like, yeah, that would be like if we're just recasting this with succession. But also, like, my boy Tom is there where I'm like, oh, like, I love him. <laughs> so I'm like, who would you be? Or like, I could see Kieran as like the hot dog dude. Yeah. You know, I, I think Brian, like, I think Brian Cox could be in this film i really actually do believe that he feels like he could be in this world you know he's a tremendous actor yeah. but like you know as as one of these random old person characters that he loves that m night Shyamalan loves to put in here i was gonna say as a twist on the the trope of like scary old lady in a house what if that character was like brian cox like could you imagine him saying the word lemon drink yeah that'd be great That'd be great, actually. It would be great. So that would be my recast pitch, you know, and be like, yeah. (laughs) Like, it's just this dude in the house. Great. I could see Cousin Greg in the high school as a high school student. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Learning science from Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That makes sense. Like, yeah, I could see that. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, um, who... Because I feel like, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Snook is, like, so good that i'm just like i think i'm not pronouncing her last name right or like i don't know but like i'm just like i just want to give her like the the lion line you know about just like reading because like that's my favorite yeah sarah snook like she gets to be the the person announcing the lion like oh my god did you see this (laughs) like go off rando i love i love that lady too for no reason (laughs) i think it's just because her delivery is so flat and so out of nowhere that it's perfect. Yeah, considering she's narrating a lion tearing apart a zookeeper's arms. <laughs> yeah, like with like this little kid sitting next to her and like Mark Wahlberg like in a crowded room. I'm just like, wow, go off. <laughs> well, Jenny, thanks so much for watching The Happening and being able to talk about it today with me. Hilarious, yes, hilarious, you. No, fun movie. It was a treat. <laughs> yeah, if you want some some serotonin in these like tough times, just like put on the happening, and it's gonna it's gonna be a good time. 
Well, anything you want to plug, mention, well, besides the happening, anything you want to plug or, or say <laughs> where people can follow you? Oh, yeah. People can follow me on Instagram. It's uh, my name, Jenny dot O'Connell. That's O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L to check out what I'm doing. Follow Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> right? Instagram douchebag. Like, oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks again, Jenny. And just be careful of the trees. If you hear a, a stiff breeze come along, just be a little bit more frightened than you normally would be <laughs> okay we'll do wow if you guys had a third of the amount of fun as i had recording that episode then uh you're welcome <laughs> big thank you to jenny as always for coming on and talking the happening and hey my hot dog club members out there you got a lot of hot dog shout outs in this you know who you are Woo! So glad we could get that movie in. But of course, High School Summer Party continues, and I have to assign you some homework for Monday. Monday, we have to do our monthly reunion episode. February is a short month. Almost did not get it in, but we're going to do it. Joe, too, will be here. No, no, it's not a Twilight reunion. He's back in his old seat again, no longer on Twilight forever, but he is our lifetime consultant so we are talking a high school reunion a class reunion lifetime film called 10-year reunion 10 years ago five best friends put their darkest secrets in writing mm, sealed with the kiss of death what does that mean it means these secrets are going to the grave and made a promise they couldn't break we each have to swear on this capsule no matter what we're doing in 10 years. We're going to return to Harmony and open this thing together. Yep. Cuddle, hug, swear. <laughs> but just before graduation... Oh, oh my God. So cool, everything changed. Now, 10 years later... Old memories are beginning to surface. You made a promise to Abby. Carly, Abby isn't here. And a lot's changed since high school. What's in that time capsule hasn't. And what they're all about to uncover. X marks the spot. Hey guys, welcome back to school. Is that digging up the past. Now on to our first clue, which you can find tucked into the frame. But just so you've all been warned, you may not like what you find. And unearthing your private demons. You think one of us drugged her? I think she saw something in that capsule that she shouldn't have. Can be a grave decision. Hello? Who's there? Our Vista Entertainment presents Casey Clark, Jillian Nelson, with Anya Engel Adams, and Kayla Ewell. Sometimes it's best to let what's buried. She ruined my life. I just wanted everyone to stop believing she was so perfect. Stay buried. You're sick. Or am I just willing to do whatever it takes to get to the place you've all taken for granted? Ten year reunion. When Joe 2 talks lifetime, you know it's going to be fun. I can't wait for this one. This homework is easy, guys. This is on Prime. You don't have to search the, the annals of the Lifetime Archive for this one. If you have Amazon Prime, free to watch for you. So check it out there. 10-year reunion. One more thing before I let you go, though. Remember that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with, come on, Doobie Brothers, Blackwater, the original version, not the Wahlberg version. Later, dudes.